We're going to, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Mark and chapter 4. I've been preaching through the Gospel of Mark over the last few months, really, um, since Christmas. And uh, we're up to chapter 4. It's, it's possibly going to be taking us a while to get to the end, but never mind. It's the Word of God. It's all good. Uh, and uh, you'll know the story so far. Basically, Jesus has been going around. He's been teaching. He's been um, teaching and preaching. He's been healing people. He's been casting demons out, setting people free from bondage, uh, oppressive spirits, things like that. Um, crowds of people have been gathering to him, more and more crowds. So you get too many people to get into the house where he's in. The guy had to be let through the roof. Uh, you kind of know that story. There's others who are pressing in and wanting healing, and Jesus has to escape, go up a mountain uh, to just get some time away, time with God, call his disciples to him. Um, and now, in this passage, we'll see there's so many people gathering around. Jesus is going to have to teach them from a boat. Um, he's going to get a boat and go out and, and teach from there. Um, but even then, as he's preaching and teaching, not everyone is going to be able to receive what he's saying. Not everyone's going to be on board with it. Um, Jesus wants to gather a crowd. He clearly wants to gather a crowd um, because that's why he keeps doing miracles. You good? It's <laughs> good. You get someone agreement. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> he wants to gather a crowd of people, and um, <laughs> uh, so he's doing these miracles. But more and more people are coming out. Um, but the miracles aren't the reason he wants to gather a crowd. That's not why Jesus. He's not some sort of sideshow artist. He's not just wanting to gather a crowd to see the miracles, great as they are. Um, he's. He's gathering a crowd in order to teach them. Um, but why do you think the people were coming? What are the, what's the reason that the people were coming to hear Jesus and see Jesus? They wanted to... This is interactive now. This is good. Come on. <laughs> why, were, why were people coming to see Jesus? Food and healing. Yeah, they wanted to get food. We'll come to the feeding of the 5,000 later. They wanted food. They wanted to get healing. They wanted to be set free. They wanted to see a miracle. They wanted to see Jesus doing something. Not everyone in the crowd came because Jesus was teaching. They didn't come for the teaching. But Jesus gathered them so he could teach them. There's a difference there, isn't there? It's the same in churches today. Not everyone comes for the preaching and the teaching. But we always do it because that's what's going to feed people. And that's what's going to encourage people. Someone uh, once told me in Ontario that the main factors uh, that people choose a church for... This is, I guess this is in North America. Isn't the worship, it's not the preaching. They said it was the children's program and the bathrooms. The children's programs and the bathrooms. Well, I hope you've not come for the bathrooms today. <laughs> you're you're going to be a little disappointed. <laughs> Just go and check them out. You'll see that I'm right. But, but whatever reason you're coming for this morning, whether it's because you've come because you, your friends go to church or whether you think, oh, it's, it's decent coffee or or it's convenient, it's close to where I live. Whatever reason you've come for, um, we're going to preach the Word of God to you most weeks. Um, not every single week, but most weeks we're going to do that because that is the Word of life. And whatever reason people came to Jesus, he took opportunity to teach them. He knew not everyone's going to receive what he said. He knew some people would actively oppose him. But m the more people that were there, the more people would receive it. We're going to see that in the passage in a moment. So whatever people, uh, reason people are here, hopefully you'll receive it. 
In New York, as we've said, around 20,000 of those 30,000 children that are visited every week, around 20,000 of them hear the Word of God preached, either at the Saturday Sunday School or at one of the sidewalks. 20,000 a week of those 30,000. And there's a lot of fun and there's a lot of games. And at the end, every child goes away with a bag of candy. That costs a lot of money, by the way. Those, that candy is amazing. It costs millions and millions to give away every week. 30,000 bags of candy they need. That's what they do. But every week at those sites, the good news of Jesus Christ is preached every single week. Do you think the kids initially, the first time, the first few times, do they come to Sidewalk Sunday School because they're going to hear the Word of God preached? No. They come for the candy. <laughs> they come for the games. They come for the prizes. And some people say, you know, when we ran a similar thing, some people said, oh, I don't, I don't really like that. It's like bribing the kids, you know, getting them along, giving them candy. And, uh, and it's like, do you know what? That's no different to making sure that we've got nice bathrooms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice offices, of whatever. You know, it's no different from us making sure we put some coffee on in the morning or we put the heating up or whatever it is that makes us feel more comfortable so that we are ready to hear the gospel too. Um, Jesus, and Jesus did it through healing. I mean, great. Let's pray that we can do that as well. We'll gather people through healing people to hear the word of God because that's what changes people's lives. Healing doesn't change people's lives on a long-term basis. Jesus is really aware of the different responses that people will have, and that's what he's dealing with in his teaching here. And we're going to get into it, and it's the parable of the soil. Some people know it as the parable of the sower. All right, and this is what it says. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parable and in his teaching said, listen, a father went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some Need to get the right place. Where are we up to? Oh, yeah. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those on the outside, everything said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable then? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed among, sown among thorns, thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Okay. So, Jesus is teaching people by parables. They're short stories, short stories uh, about everyday things that people would have recognized, people would have understood uh, and related to, known about. And Jesus is making a point about the kingdom of God in his parables. And there's a few more that will come up in the, in the weeks to come. Now, some people say, oh yeah, Jesus did that because by speaking in parables, it makes things more understandable uh, to people, to everyone. But actually, if we, re- if we read what the Bible's saying here, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, before we get into the actual parable, let's just deal with this middle section because Jesus and the disciples, uh, sorry, the disciples and other people come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we don't really understand what you're talking about. You're talking about seed and farmers and you know, we, don't, we don't really get it. Um, I mean, it's tricky to read this because actually as, as we listen to what Jesus says, he says, oh yeah, the secret's been given to you, those on the outside, it's so that they may be seeing but not perceiving, hearing, not understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And we can go, what? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is, it seems like you don't want people to believe. You're not, you're not wanting people to understand. But Jesus, remember, knows everyone's hearts. Uh, he knows that not everyone is going to believe and follow him. He's actually quoting Isaiah 6 um, in this. And Isaiah 6, you remember the whole thing where Isaiah goes into the, um, into the he has this vision in the temple and he sees uh, the God, really, and he sees the angels and the seraphim and they're coming and he falls down and he says, I'm unworthy. And then at the end of that, um, one of the angels comes and touches his mouth with a coal. And uh, he says, he hears, hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And he says, here I am, send me. That's usually where we stop. Okay, here I am, send me. Uh, and, then he says, and then he says, go and tell this to the people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the hearts of the people calloused. Make their ears dull. Close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That's the message that Isaiah's got to go and give. So we like to just stop it. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. We'll go and tell the good news. I, it was Isaiah was saying, no, go and tell the bad news. Go and tell them the bad news. And, and, and that's what happened. You know, the people of God, they dwindled down. They, were, they received judgment. There was just a minority were left. So it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to, to understand what Jesus is saying. And I, I guess I could preach a whole message on this. But basically, Jesus is... He knows people's hearts, and he's looking for hearts that are open. Now, those like his disciples and others, it says, who take the time to come to him and say, what are you talking about, Jesus? We want to know more. We want to really get to grips with what you're saying. We want to really understand you. We want to press in. They receive the answer. They receive in faith what Jesus is saying, and and they're able to live it out in faith. Parables actually communicate to people who want the truth of God. They want the truth. They're hungry for the truth. Other people, they actually react against it. You can imagine some people coming and saying, Oh, Jesus, oh, wise Jesus, tell us some deep truths. And he's like, well, a farmer goes out and he sows some seed. And they're like, 
what is he talking about? The guy's lost his mind. He's telling children's stories. You know, we're not interested in this. And they don't want anything to do with Jesus. It drives people away. That's the response that a parable has when Jesus talks about it. And we can be very hungry for deep truths. Actually, Jesus says, no, truth's pretty simple. It's applying it, it's living it, it's working out. So many people are thinking, oh, it's just a silly story. They're dismissing it. They're not even listening to it. And that's what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about the different types of soil. So I'm aware that I didn't want to just skip over that because that's right there in the middle of this parable. And we've got to, we've got to talk about these, everything that's in the Bible. We can't just dismiss it and stop at different points. But the rest of the time, I want to focus on this parable and see what Jesus is actually saying. And what he's saying is this. This is the story. There's a farmer. He's going out and he's sowing seed. And, he, and Jesus says that seed is the word of God. It's like the word of God being spread about, being preached, being sown about. This farmer isn't being particularly careful. He's throwing it everywhere. He's throwing it about. He's got a bag of seed. It's going here, there, and everywhere. He's not just throwing it carefully. You know, I, when I planted seeds before, um, you know, you get a little tray, you, you just one at a time. He's not doing it like that. He's throwing it out everywhere. It's going all over the place. Some of it's going on the path. Some of it's going in the rocky places. Some of it's going among the thorns. And some of it's going on good soil. This farmer is not taking the time to figure out what the good soil is. He's not, he's not getting that sorted out first and then doing it. He's just throwing it out there. And Jesus says, that's like the word of God being preached or sown into people. So as we, as we talk to people about Jesus, as we go out into society, into the world, we might invite people to Alpha, we might invite people to come on Sunday next week to church, whatever it might be. We don't always need to decide whether this is good soil or not before we, before we ask, before we sow the seed, because Jesus didn't do that. He was just, we just ask. And it's like the more that you invite people, the more people you talk to about Jesus, the more seed that is sown, the more will fall on good soil. And yes, some will fall on lots of different soils as well. Um, so are you asking a question? I <laughs> didn't know if you were putting your hand up there. <laughs> That's good. Um, we don't need to always decide whether the soil has potential. Um, Lucy, who was one of the women at, at, on the staff at Metro World Child last week, she was in charge of us, and she was telling me that when she goes out uh, into, into New York, and whether it's when she's visiting the kids and going all over, because they go out for like hours on end, six hours sometimes, um, she makes a conscious decision that she's going to talk to every single person who walks past her, or she walks past. Sometimes that's just a hello. You know, it's not necessarily a long conversation, but she's decided she's going to say at least hello, and maybe more, to every single person that she sees in New York. She says, because you just never know where the conversations are going to come from. You just never know when something's going to open up. And actually, for some people living in those communities, they don't really have anyone saying hello to them. They get their heads down, and they're not looking, and they're not talking. And she's saying hello to every single person. So conversations come about. So if we put ourselves in the position of the farmer, actually this parable is really comforting because it, it, it helps us to realize Jesus himself says not everyone's going to respond. Jesus himself says not everyone is going to be good soil. Not everyone is going to respond to the gospel. Some people are going to say, no, I don't want to know. 
I don't want, to, I don't want anything to do with Alpha. I'm not going to come to church next Sunday. And that's fine. That's fine. Because don't get put off for asking. Don't stop sowing the seed. In fact, only one of the four types of ground produced any crop. But the more seed that we sow, the more will land on good soil. And when it does, that will produce 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. You never quite know what harvest you're going to reap. Ben, you were telling us a story about your, um, your grandfather. Do you want to just quickly say, I don't know if you want to put it on so we can get it on the tape. Have we got the um, microphone? Then we can get it on the uh, audio. So in 19, the 1950s, my grandfather was not a Christian. He was going to UN, or not UNB, he was going to Acadia studying marine biology. And uh, a friend of his asked him one night, hey, do you want to go to church tonight? He's like, well, I don't really want to offend him. So he did. And as he was there, he said, I, don't, I have no idea what the preacher was talking about. And he said it, it was actually in a church. He said, I don't know what the Holy Spirit was doing in that church, but God gripped his heart. And he came out of that service completely changed. And he knew that God had called him to preach and uh, to preach the gospel. And he, the next morning, he went and switched his program uh, into biblical studies and went on uh, to be a preacher. He spent many, many years up north as a missionary, raised his family to know Jesus, and God called him that night just because of a simple mm. knock on the door. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Praise God. All right. All we need to do is sow the seed. It can be very, very simple. Hello. Or an invitation. We can't make things grow. Only God can do that. It's God who's at work. And he's hidden. He's doing things at work. Hidden, unobserved. First Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? These are great apostles. They're preaching the gospel. What are we? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. He says, I planted the seed using the same analogy. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. God's been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters has one purpose. And they'll each be recorded according to their own labor. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul's saying, we just, we just do the thing. But it's God who's at work. We're trusting God to do the work. We don't have to, we can't make anyone come to know Jesus. We just do the planting the seed. We sow the seed. God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to be obedient to him. He doesn't say you have to be successful. So this parable is an encouragement to sow the seed of the gospel liberally, far and wide, and trust God to make it grow. Trust God to make it grow. But there's also an encouragement in this passage for us all to be hearers and receivers of the preached word. Because you can put it the other way, that we've got a crowd of people here today, and we are like the field. We are the field. And um, today there's many different opinions about preaching and teaching. Um, some people think it's outdated. Some people think in the days of multimedia we should just be focusing on those things and to hear someone speaking um, with pretty much no other interaction for um, 30, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. That's just outdated. That's not going to gather anyone. Um, 
Some people think that, and, and you know, there'll be many different responses to preaching today, even this morning. Um, we could be indifferent to it. We could be preoccupied thinking about other things. We could just respond emotionally at the end of a morning, uh, and it's got no lasting effects. And Jesus is going to touch on all of those things, but his call to us is right here um, in verse 9. It says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He's kind of telling a bit of a joke there about ears of corn. But um, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, seeds themselves, the word of God, the seeds, don't look particularly appealing. If you had some seed and you're looking at it, you're, like, you're not like, oh, great, how exciting. I've got a seed. It looks dry. It looks lifeless. Sometimes people say, yeah, that's about right when it comes to preaching. Um, but it contains such life potential. And some people, as I said, want to make preaching more like entertainment, just limit it to a few minutes. Uh, or they say it's only effective for people of a certain age and kids aren't going to understand it and whatever. Do you know what? None of that is true because we have to understand what uh, the word of God is. I haven't got this slide up. Um, but Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, The word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts. The word of God, when it's preached, is not a dead thing. It's not just a dry thing. It's alive. It's active. It's working in people's lives. It's at work in this room this morning as, as the word is being preached. But there are four types of ground, and these are the four different responses that we can have when hearing the word preached. And right from the start, let me say, even though you can't tell the difference, you go out into a field and you're not necessarily looking and everything, and it all looks fairly similar, in the same way, today when the preached word is going out, you might all look pretty similar, you might all look as though you're listening and everything, but the word of God tells us all four of those soils are in the room this morning. It's just the way it is, that's what Jesus says. All four soils are in the room this morning. Just because you're in the church, just because you've got here, doesn't mean that you are necessarily good soil. Ooh, that's getting a bit challenging, isn't it? What sort of soil am I then? Only one out of the four types of soil bear fruit, Jesus says. Only one of the four types of soil. So let's quickly look at them. The path. The path. Some people make no response at all when the word of God goes out. And the birds, it's like the seed being sown on the path, and the birds just come down, they eat away, the se they eat the seed that's been sown. In other words, the word goes out, it makes no impact at all. Because it falls on the path. And the path is hard because of previous traffic. That's why the path's hard. The, the fields would have been uh, crisscrossed with pathways in Jesus' time. Crisscrossed all over. These have just been ground of people walking on it. So this, you know, the farmer's going out, he's sowing the seed, and then people are going, and then they've got the oxen coming on it, and they've got different animals or whatever it might be. But these pathways just become trampled down, and they get hard. And our, and our hearts can also get hard. Our hearts can get hard from what's gone before, what's walked on the pathways of our lives. Many of us have uh, had experiences in the past which have caused our hearts to get hardened. Maybe we've had a background of legalism where people have been telling you this is how you should be and it's just been a heaviness which has been on 
our lives and we can become hardened to the word of God because of that. Maybe people have dealt harshly with you. Maybe people who have been, you've respected in the past, maybe preachers or teachers or church leaders, they've dealt with you harshly and you've had an encounter with them and that's caused you to become a little guarded, a little hardened to what is being preached and said. Things like that can mean that we can see everything that's said and done with that filter. That can just become our filter for life. If we have had a legalistic background, and I haven't really got time to go into a lot of detail about what that is, but a lot of rules and regulations and oughts and things like that, everything can be said with that filter of legalism, and we can react against it. So some of the things that I'm probably going to say, because there's a difference between exhortation and legalism, even this morning, you will possibly hear things that I say and just say, oh, that's a bit heavy. Oh, that was a bit harsh. That was a bit, you know, so because that's the filter that you have, because our hearing is affected. And, and that's why legalism is so dangerous, actually, because it hardens our hearts to the true gospel. We can harden ourselves uh, in different ways. We can harden ourselves through bitterness, uh, refusal to forgive, refusal to be open to God's word. And so we can be here and we can hear exhortations to come into a living relationship with Jesus and it, and it makes no difference to us at all. It just doesn't touch us. It's not even as though we think about it after we've left the building. We don't think about it at all. Uh, so here are some exhort. These are some applications. I was thinking back. What are some applications to some of the messages we've preached, uh, the Word of God, the, since the start of this year? We've exhorted people, you know, come out and pray. Let's be a praying church. Uh, come out and, and pray together. Let's read of the Word of God together in the Bible Project. Uh, let's be involved in the church community in a life group. Let's commit to each other in membership. Uh, let's get along to the church weekend away and hear from God. Let's give generously at our gift day. All of those things... Do you see what I mean? You can hear that through, man, that's a long list of things we ought to do. Man, that's heavy. And, and, and that's how we see it. And so some of us, it just bounces off us. Oh, I'm not going to take any of that on board at all. So we don't. And we don't, we're, not, we're not wrestling with it. We're not thinking about it. Actually, they're all good things. They're all things which will help bring us into a deeper relationship with God if we choose to go that way but we allow the birds of the air, it's gone. It's gone. Because our hearts are like the pathway, and it's hardened. Hebrews uh, 3. Oh, I must have this somewhere. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> nah, I'm going to forget all that. Hebrews 3 and verse 12 to 15 says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly till the end. As it's just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So according to that passage in Hebrews, we actually have some responsibility. Do you want the passage again? Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 to 15. Sorry, Betty. Hebrews 3, 12 to 15. So according to Hebrews, we've got some responsibility to cultivate the soil of our own heart here. So it's not like it's hopeless. It's not like, oh, you're just like the path. It's all hopeless. It's just going to all bounce off you. It's never any good. Actually, the writer to Hebrews is saying, come on, don't harden your hearts. Encourage. That's like digging it up. 
encourage each other, digging up the soil, making it more fertile, making it softer again. Some of us need to forgive other people. Some of us need to let go of bitterness. Some of us need to deal with things that have happened to us in the past so that our hearts can become receptive again to the Word of God. Because the Word of God is getting stolen away from you. And if you walk out of here without a second thought to what's been preached week after week after week, actually your lives are just going to get more and more hardened to God. And we pray that the Word of God comes and works by the power of His Holy Spirit to soften that ground, to soften hearts so that we might all hear his voice and respond to him. So that's the path. And there's the rocks, the seed that falls on rocks. The ground would have looked pretty good here. Um, it, probably the top soil was there, but just underneath, the, underneath a few inches of soil were the rocks. Um, soil's shallow. It, it probably would have had limestone underneath, and that prevents the growth. And some people make an emotional response to God and his word. Um, and, it, and it can look as though things are happening. It can look as though God's at work. It can look as though things are bearing fruit. But there's, again, there's a hardness there, but that hardness is concealed. It, it looks encouraging. It's shooting up quickly, but it's a re- an emotional response often. It's not sustainable. It's not well thought out. Um, there's a danger of that response when, f- like for, for example, when the team went to New York last week, there's a danger of that kind of response from us. You, you see something, you encounter something, you're like, wow, this is amazing. We've got to do something. And we make a, a, a decision and we make a response, but it's, it's, it's based on emotion rather than on being well thought out. Um, and uh, no, this is, I'm, I'm firmly deciding I'm going to do this. I'm committed to this. I know there's a cost. I know there's a price to pay. No, no, we, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do the other. Let's go here, let's go there. But when the reality of a tough life sets in, back here, with family pressures, with responsibilities, with work, with opposition maybe from other people, maybe even family members, then we don't press through in whatever it might be that God has called us to. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I thought I'd heard God, but uh, reality check. It's not quite like that. Can't really go there. Can't really do that. Can't really respond to God's word. That's the rocks. We need to have a well-thought-out response to the gospel, not just an emotional response. We can't just respond emotionally to the word of God. If our commitment to Jesus is based on emotion, if it's based on how we feel at any given time, it's going to change when our feelings change, when our emotions change, when our circumstances of our lives change. God doesn't call us to that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not your emotions. Be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're engaging our minds as well as our emotions. It's not a bad thing to be emotionally affected. That's okay. You know, many of us get emotionally affected at different times when we're in God's presence and when God's doing something. It's got to go deeper than that. It's got to go to our minds and we've got to make decisions. We've got to decide, are we committed to actively and faithfully living out a life of discipleship and obedience in following Jesus and his word, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what circumstances are happening in our lives, even when trials come, even when opposition comes? 
If we're not committed to that, then, then we're the rocky ground in Jesus' parable. That's what he's saying we are. We need to come back to Jesus. We need to have a depth of relationship with him which is going to endure and persevere in those times. Again, God's Holy Spirit can be at work. If in the same way that Jesus encourages disciples, come to me, actively seek me. Come, actively seek it. Some of us may need to actively work through some of these things so that we can have good soil in our lives. That's the rocks. The thorns, I've just got two to go and then we'll wrap up. Uh, the thorns, some of us make a preoccupied response to God's word. So the thorns, um, Jesus says, um, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Other things going on in, in our lives, other priorities, other opinions speaking into our lives. And it might be that we're anxious. It might be that we're worried. It might be that we've got other things going on. It might be that we get hooked into wealth and thinking that that is uh, what we need to be chasing after. Um, they crowd Jesus out. Jesus in this situation isn't the Lord of our lives. He's one element of our lives in a very busy and overcrowded life. And our priorities are not always him. Sometimes our priorities are over only him when all those other things aren't even around. And if we don't clear the ground of these competing things, some of them are not even sin, some of them good things in and of themselves, but Jesus calls them thorns, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, they're just springing back up again. We've got to deal with them in our hearts. We've got to deal with them in our minds. We've got to see them as not important compared to Jesus. That's why we need to repent when we come to know Jesus. That's why we need to turn away from our old ways. That's why we need, the Bible talks about dying to our old life and rising again to a new life. We have to change our mind on so many things. We can't just add Jesus to our life and expect it's all going to be fine. It's not like a cherry on top of a cake. It's, it's real change, real repentance. And there's always going to be a pull to other things. We saw this very starkly uh, in New York. In fact, Nathan saw it really starkly. I'm going to ask Nathan to just come up and uh, share his, his story of what he saw on the bus one day. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure which details are, are most pertinent to the story, so I'll just start. Uh, we were on the bus, so we were going on Saturday to pick up a, a bunch of children, and we stopped at the tallest and most units uh, in a building. Uh, so we stopped here, and we had about 10 to 15 children on the bus, and we were picking up another 10 or 15 at this stop. Uh, the kids were on the bus. Um, we'd already picked them up, and the uh, gentleman who was in charge of the bus, uh, I don't know if it's, it's called his route anyway, his name was Kyle. He was off to another building to pick up more children, and uh, a knock on the window happened, and uh, these kids took off and got off the bus and started to, uh, I guess, play fight with these two men in their 50s. Uh, one dressed uh, very, I guess, just regular jeans and a sweatshirt, and another one all hip-hopped up, I guess. There's no other way to describe it. Um, <laughs> I could get into details, but anyway. So I got off the bus to see what was going on and uh, introduced myself and shook their hands. And uh, basically through the conversation, um, I asked him basically what he did for a living, and he said he didn't have a job. And I said, well, then I know where you get your money. And uh, I asked them who they were to these children, and they said they, they were friends of the uh, parents. And, uh, and the other gentleman said... Uh, 
you know, basically, I'm the one who gives the money. And uh, I said, well, then I know why you're here. And I chatted with this gentleman who was much more friendly and who had sent his children to the uh, Yogi Bear program when he was younger and had children of age to go to the program. And uh, basically I said, well, we need these children back on the bus. And the other gentleman who had given them money or who said that that's what his purpose was in their lives uh, said, well, you know, they can decide that. And uh, anyway, I got to chatting a little bit more. And, you know, these kids came up and asked for money. And he said, well, why don't you ask the Yogi Bear for money? And I said, well, what I have doesn't cost anything and doesn't need to be sold. And uh, anyway, I got most of them back on the bus, and uh, one child did leave. And so that, that's basically where that stops. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's great. I'm impressed with Nathan for even having that conversation, because <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to do that. But the, the, point, the point I'm wanting to make from that is that, you know, you've got people going out, and they're getting kids on the bus, and they're saying, we want to teach you about Jesus. But these kids, even as they're doing that, they're getting lured by money. They're getting lured by other things. They're getting other influences in their life which are wanting to compete and battle against them. And it can seem very obvious in that situation. Man, we've got to get them on the bus. We've got to get them to receive the change, the life that comes through Christ that's going to mean they've got so much more than the odd dollar note that's given out and then it will escalate obviously to more than a dollar but you know what the same thing is happening to us day by day day by day we're getting seduced we're getting pulled off we're getting lured away from Christ by other things which look so attractive but they're stealing us away they're stealing us away from the life of God and it's not going to be for most of us gang members getting us into the drug scene but the consequences will be just as real in our lives as in some of their lives. We might say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I can't, I can't come to this church weekend away because I've got, I've got a, a sporting event I want to go to. I can't do that. Or I can't and it's one thing after another, and it's not even just a one occasion. Now, again, hear me right on this. I'm not preaching legalism. I'm not saying you have to come. Don't filter it through the hardness. What I'm saying is we can always have stuff going on so that we never, ever really give ourselves completely to God and his word. My story of how I became a Christian is too long to tell right now, but it, I can trace it back, actually. I was thinking this morning, I can trace it back to a decision I made before I was a Christian, actually. But I made a decision to go to a, a, a weekend, a kind of Christian festival weekend and I debated whether to go. The reason I debated whether to go is because I'd already got tickets to see Michael Jackson in concert. <laughs> it was his bad tour. It was bad. <laughs> I wanted to go and see Michael Jackson in concert. I mean, don't get me wrong. And, and I debated, what am I going to do? I'd got offers to go to two different things. I went to the festival that you can trace that whole thing to me actually getting saved. Now, God was obviously involved in that, but I sold the tickets. I never did see Michael Jackson in concert ever again, but I gained far more. We have decisions that we make. We do not know what consequences they will have. We just do not know. These decisions come up all the time. Each time we've had a conference here, 
Christ Central Conference, we had Terry Virgo in 2014, Dave Devonish last year. We exhorted people to be there. We've said God's going to move powerfully in people's lives. And many people have come and they've received so much from God. But there's always some who don't because they've always got other things to do. And then every time, every time afterwards, they're in a conversation in a life group or somewhere and they're hearing what God's done. And people saying, God's transformed my marriage through this. And they're sitting there and they go, I think we missed out. Yeah. That's the truth. We can want to be nice. Oh, no, there'll be another time. You missed out. You missed out. You just did. And, and we're saying the same thing about the coming church weekend. And believe me, this is not hype. I hate hype. I hate hyping things up. I'm not about it. I believe it's faith. I believe God's at work among us. I believe God's going to change us. I believe God's going to do amazing things at this weekend away. He'll still do things. There's other times. Yes, of course, God's going to be at work all the time. But don't allow the stuff of this world, which Paul says, he says, I consider it, he says it's a pile of crap, basically. He, don't allow it to steal us away from what God is doing in our lives and in our church. It chokes the life from us. It just does. We can't, some, it might not be as stark as that for some, but we want to hold on to things as well as God. We hold on to worry, hold on to wealth. We can't serve God and money. We, we, can't, we try and have it all. We'll not have it all. If We've got to die to those things. Love of Jesus means clear the ground. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We've got to throw these things off. We've got to throw them off. I'm running out of time. The good soil. The good soil. Some people receive the word, they accept it, and they respond in faith and fruit is produced in their lives. And that's why the farmer sows the soil seed in the first place. Because there's such potential. Because when people hear it, it grows into something which is going to create more seed to grow. We heard it from uh, the, the young girl on the, on the video, didn't we? She said, I used to come along to this. People sowed into my life. Now I'm doing it with others. That's a perfect example of how the seed bears fruit and is bearing fruit with more. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, We also had this gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. The difference between seed which is lost as it's scattered and taken up or choked or whatever and fruitful seed is hearing in faith and acting on the basis of what we've heard and believed. Combining it with faith. It says they did not combine it with faith. Mixing God's word with faith means we believe and trust in what his word tells us and we act on it, often without visible evidence that God is at work. Bill Wilson's own story illustrates this perfectly. He was the founder of Metro World Child 35 years ago. His, he was born into a terrible family. His dad was a, a drunk and he left him uh, as a child and he left his family. His mom was a drunk too. And one day when he was 12, she just said, I can't cope anymore. And she took him to a street corner and she said, I just can't cope. You just wait here. And she walked away, and he never saw her again. He's never seen her since. And he stayed there on that corner for three days. He just sat there for three days until a man stopped and said, Are you okay? He said, I'm waiting for my mum. 
she told me to wait here. And he made some phone calls and, <laughs> got, and he was a Christian. And several hours later, I think he said five hours later, Bill said he got picked up and he got put in a van and he got taken to a Christian summer camp that they paid, this guy paid for him to go to. And when he was at that Christian summer camp, Bill met Christ and his life changed. And from there, he looked out in New York and he saw all these children and he said, that is me. These children are me. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to be that man to them. I'm going to share Christ to them. And so 35 years ago, he began Metro World Child, which now operates in 14 countries around the world. Now he said that man who stopped had issues of his own. He was poor. He had some health issues and a lot of his f and some of his family members were seriously sick that day. He had every reason to walk by and ignore that 12-year-old boy on the street, but he didn't. He knew God. He responded with faith and obedience. And he picked him up and he sent him to camp. That was pretty much what he did for him. That was the extent. But now, 35 years later, what fruit, what fruit has come from that one man who I don't even know his name? I don't even know his name. So today, Jesus is speaking to us. He's speaking to us by his word. What effect that's going to have on us depends on what kind of soil we are. Is it going to just pass us by? Will we have great intentions of responding, of changing, but not do so because actually it's based on the emotion of a story or two? Will we want to respond, but there's just too much going on in our lives right now? Or will we press in? Will we come and find out more? Will we actively come to Jesus? Will we combine his words with faith? If we do that, we will expect to see a great crop 30, 60, 100 times what was put into us. I pray that we've got a lot of good soil in here today. And if there isn't, and if there's some of these other things, Holy Spirit, come work on our hearts. We want to be people who respond to your word, who combine the word with faith and live it out. Live it out day by day. Let's pray. I don't know if the band want to come back up or not, but I'll pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the honesty of your word. I thank you as we read what you say and what you teach. Lord, we can't really escape it and we see the truth of it in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege of seeing this passage and the truth of this worked out. Lord, we can see it. We can see it in other people. We can see how fruit word that is on good soil and born out, Lord, we can see how that produces a great crop. And Lord, I pray that for us. There's, we're few in number. We're few in number in here. And we've got a, a city which can even at this size seem overwhelming. But oh God, we want to be obedient to you. We want to be active in faith. We want to believe you. We want to respond. Lord, work in our hearts. Be, let us be good soil. Forgive us, Lord, where we've hardened ourselves. 
Forgive us where we've allowed other things to crowd in. Forgive us, Lord, for where we worry and that dominates or where we just respond emotionally. Lord, let us be good soil, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.